I'm excited this morning to start this new series. Uh, I did spend some time last week reading and studying and just uh, read, read through this book of the Bible several times. Uh, it's been about two months ago, God said, after the first of the year, he just, I felt it in my spirit, go to Jonah, go to Jonah. It's just where, where you're supposed to go. And as I got closer this week, I said, God, this feels so right. This feels so right. I know what is in this book I need and the, the, our congregation needs uh, and the world needs called Jonah. And so we're going to dive into it this morning. I'm so excited. We're only going to do four verses. For those of you who were in the Ephesians journey that took seven or eight months to get all the way through the book of Ephesians, um, this will not take that long. Uh, um, so we'll probably get through this in four to six weeks, I'm guessing. But this morning we're in Jonah chapter one, verses one through four. This is such a popular story, right? Um, if you've been around church at all and were ever in Sunday school, you remember. And when I said, when I told Rosie I was preaching on Jonah, starting a series on Jonah, she's like, Dad, everybody knows about Jonah and the whale. I, I've heard that since I was a kid, it's Jonah and the whale. And, uh, I, and I said, but there's so much more there. There's so much there. Uh, and so that's what I grew up knowing, Jonah and the whale. Yeah, Jonah, God came and asked Jonah to go to the city. He ran away. He ended up in the belly of a whale. The whale spit him out. He lived three days. And we're just fascinated about Jonah and the whale. And that section is only about two verses of four chapters that tells us about Jonah and the whale or the great fish or, you know, however you want that to look at that translation. Um, this morning, the title of the sermon is Nope. And that is a very academic, um, you know, theological uh, uh, title for a sermon. Nope. Right, But I think it speaks, as I was reading through this, it speaks to the heart of Jonah's attitude and many times ours. And so we're going to look at it from that perspective. Let's read these verses. Uh, and I apologize, we have one, one projector out right now. We'll get that fixed soon. And so those of you on this side, strain your eyes a little bit or if you've got a Bible... Um, or uh, your phone. We may want to turn the house lights up just a little if you've got your physical Bible with you. Um, so Jonah, chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Uh, you know, I'm going to ask you to do this. Let's stand up for the reading of God's Word. Let's, is, will that be okay? Let's stand up, and uh, I want to read this, these four verses, and then we're going to dive into them. This is, uh, the, the, there's, there's things in these four verses that I promise, if you listen, pay attention, open your heart to God, they'll change your life today. That's the only way I know to say it. Um, and so I want you to listen. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 through 2, verse 1 says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise. Go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Verse 3, but Jonah arose, he got the first part right, God said rise and go to Nineveh, but Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish. From the presence of the Lord. Verse 4. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea. So that the ship was about to be broken up. Let me pray over this. And then you can sit down. God this is your word. I'm going to do my best to share what you put in my heart about it. But more importantly the truth that is in it. The truth that can set people free. 
the truth and the understanding and the wisdom that only you can unlock. And I ask you to be in our hearts and that we'd open our hearts to what you're speaking to us today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. All right. Uh, so let's, uh, let, let, let's, let's dig in here. I want to give just an uh, introduction to new books of the Bible are always, you know, I got to get through just a little bit of the nitty gritty of uh, the context of, you know, who wrote the Bible, when they wrote it, setting, all that kind of stuff. So I want to do that real quick. This was in roughly the 700s BC, right around the time of the American Civil War. And uh, just seeing if anybody's listening. <laughs> Anybody know timelines at all? This is... Seven, seven centuries before Christ came, way before the American Civil War. Uh, this was 700 B.C. King at the time was Jeroboam II. The state of Israel at this point had been divided into two kingdoms. Jeroboam was the king of the northern kingdom. Uh, Israel as a country, you know, this is, this is well, after, uh, well after Abraham was one of the minor prophets, not because he was less important, just because his book was only four chapters and others were multitudes of chapters um, so he he is considered a minor prophet because what's written about him is less than the others um, but he was a prophet that God used to speak to Israel to, to his people uh, all right so Israel had gone through this turbulent times of obeying God not obeying God and this is a time where they were in really complete disobedience but God if you go through and read all the the different scripture about this time in Israel's history God was still blessing them they had this, this, this economic prosperity, they had physical things, but no spiritual prosperity, which kind of sounds like a country I know. Um, uh, but Israel had gotten all this economic prosperity, and God was blessing them, hoping that they would see that, this, that he was the one that was blessing them with this, that they would turn from the disobedience. Uh, Hosea said at this time in Israel there were spiritual adulterers, there were thieves, there were ungrateful children. Uh, in essence, there was no acknowledgement of God in the land. Amos found oppression of the poor, injustice, immorality. Uh, he found that the people there loved wealth more than kindness, ease more than righteous character. Uh, again, stepping on uh, my toes and others. Um, and then uh, we find here this incredible uh, demonstration of God's patience and long suffering. Here is his chosen people. They've really turned their back on them as a country, uh, turned their back on God, and yet he's continued blessing them and giving them one more chance, one more chance, turn to me, turn to me. Uh, at this time, their greatest enemy was this, the Assyrian Empire, of which uh, Nineveh becomes the capital. Nineveh is seen as the worst, uh, and the Assyrians are their greatest enemy, and they are known as the most cruel people. Uh, that they that the Israelites had ever known the way that they they would they would plunder the way that they they approached war their cruelty the way I mean they 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 dismembered people I mean it's if you think today is bad if you think things are happening bad in the world today it, it does it pales in comparison to what was happening in Nineveh at this time it was a terrible awful place if you read uh, in one of the books of Kings about Jonah, it says that Jonah at one time prophesied that this prosperous nation of Israel would recapture some land, and he did. And one author said that Jonah was a, a passionate patriot to Israel. Like he believed in the, the nation of Israel so strongly, and he was committed to it. Is this giving you some context of why when God said, Hey, Jonah, 
I want you to go to Nineveh. Uh, <laughs> Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. Why, he immediately got up and went the other direction. It says that he was, though, uh, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, and this was, Jonah was God's prophet. All right? And yet, when the word came to him, when God's direction and guidance get, came to him, he did just the opposite. So we're going to dive into this really in three different uh, sections. This is, uh, this is a, Beth took, a picture that Bethany took while we were gone last week. This was a great view for me to reflect on Jonah showing up at Joppa. And maybe where we were was my Joppa, I don't know. But it was a great place to reflect that this is the man that loves Israel. This is a man that uh, has been uh, obedient to God when it lines up with what he wants to do and what he thinks is right. But when this word came to Jonah to go to Nineveh, uh, it, it, I want to I just kind of see that and imagine uh, what he decided to do and how he approached it. The first truth that we find in this is that we are called to be a light and a witness. We're called to be a light and a witness. God was calling Jonah to do that. That call is very, uh, uh, very re reflective and looking forward to God's great commission to the entire church. Right? It says, go into all the nations, making disciples and baptizing. Uh, and this was, this was just a, a, a preview of what Jesus was going to come and do. But this was the first time God had ever asked Jonah, one of his prophets, to really aggressively go to somebody outside the nation of Israel. He did not want these other people to find God's blessing. He did not want them to be blessed. He thought only the nation of Israel should be blessed. But here we find this truth that we're called to be a light and a witness. Let's dig into these verses just a second. First, God says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for the wickedness has come up uh, before me. God says, Arise and go to Nineveh. We find in the next verse that Jonah arises and goes to Tarshish. Here's what I know is true for 2020 and for this week and for Monday. Uh, we're all going to arise and go somewhere. What, what will happen, and, and this is what happens, uh, saying no to God usually results in you saying yes to anything else, to anything else. I don't think Jonah spent time figuring this out and saying, oh, you know, I'm going to calculate this out. It was literally, uh, all right, I'm not going there. I'm going anywhere else. God called him to go by land. He decided to go by sea. God called him to go east. He decided to go west. It was the complete opposite of what God had asked him to do. I imagine him getting down to, to Joppa and, and saying, oh, yeah, I, I'm here. I just got to get out of here. I don't know why he picked Tarshish. It was this, this little unknown town. Um, that it was a, just a shipping town. I don't know why he was going there. It was basically the end of the known you know, I mean, he was really trying to get out of Dodge. And I imagine him getting down there, and uh, the Bible says he paid a fare, he bought a ticket. 
He said, just get me on this boat to Tarshish. And we find that when we will say yes to about anything else, we'll go anywhere we choose to go. You'll find that sometimes it's even convenient. So sometimes we'll use this, we'll use this line, well, well if God, uh, well, the money was there, this was there, this worked out, this showed up, I just, and he got down there and bought a ticket to Tarshish boat with these experienced sailors I'm going down in the bottom of it I'm taking a nap I'm out of here he also thought that maybe saying no to what God had asked him to do would somehow stop God's plan I don't know maybe he didn't think that maybe he just thought if I get out of here God will ask somebody else to do it and we get into kind of a moment of God's sovereignty of saying well if Jonah would have never said no and went would God have called somebody else to go would Nineveh have been preached to I believe yes. If Jonah would have went, yes. I can't understand all of that and how it all works and how God calls us and we have free will, but it's true. He chooses us and yet we have free will to choose because God is bigger than us. But here it was convenient. So don't just think because things are convenient that it's God's purpose and God's plan. Uh, bring spiritual people around you that you trust and say, am I moving in the right direction? Am I making the right decision here? Don't just go with a feeling or a, a gut on your own because they can take you in so far of the wrong direction. So in life, we're going to arise and go. The question is, where are we going to go? Where Are you, are you going to go toward Nineveh? Are you going to run to Tarshish? Are we running now? Uh, Tim Keller, he said there's two ways really to run from God, and I thought this was interesting, and he kind of compared it to the, uh, the prodigal son, if you know that story. Uh, one son decides, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to sell, I want my entire inheritance, and I'm going to go have fun with it, and I'm not going to do anything you ask me to do. I'm going to break every commandment, every law. I'm just going to live lawlessly and, and waste it. And the other son chooses to try to be obedient and do the right things. And uh, he stays with the father, he helps the father, uh, and, and yet we find that there's two ways. They were both running from God. So you, there's two different ways to run from God. One is you can just get, uh, you, 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 can be, uh, you can be very immoral and irreligious and say, I'm not going to have anything to do with it. But there's a second one that sometimes we forget about, that we can worship religion. We can worship the law. And that's what the other brother did. He said, I'm going to stay here and, and be, be a good son, and I'm going, to be a, uh, I'm, I'm going to do everything you ask me to do, Dad. I'm going to follow all the rules and the laws, and, and, and I should get blessed for that. But when the other brother comes home and he has completely wasted everything, and yet the father accepts him with mercy and grace, what's the older brother do? Loses it. Loses it because he's worshipped religion laws. He's not built a relationship. There are two ways you can run from God. One is say, I'm going to go to church every Sunday. I'm going to try to do the best and be the best and, and do everything right and make everybody think I'm good and churchy. And everybody look, make it look like I'm with God, but I'm really going to have no substance and relationship behind the scenes. The other way is to just get as far away from church and all things good that you can it, it's really you know you kind of grow up with this mantra is like you got to be good to get into heaven 
you know, like you got to do this. If you don't do that, you won't get in. You do it. That, that mentality is really a scary mentality to get people thinking around because it's really not biblical. There's really one thing we do to get into heaven. That is faith in Jesus Christ. And if, you, if you've anchored all your things and thinking, I've done all the right things, here's what happens. And it's really the second point uh, um, uh, that I want to get to. And the second, the second point is when, you, when we get like that and we start thinking, well, I'm doing good. I'm doing all these, doing right, and I'm afraid I'll do wrong. Or, and when we're doing all that, then we begin to look at people who aren't doing that and think God should judge them. Okay, this is, and this is where Jonah was. I want you to listen to me just for a minute. Because this speaks to us. It speaks to our society. It speaks to our mentality. It speaks to the, just the core of who we are. Is that when we see somebody doing something bad, we want them to get their just desserts. And this is why Jonah ran to Tarshish. Because that ain't how God works. There's a truth here that says God loves everyone. And Jonah was getting ready to learn that God even loved his greatest enemy. The person he could not hate. But we want people, we'd rather see people get judged than have mercy, get find mercy. And that's where Jonah was. That's where Jonah was. So first we're called to be a light and a witness. I was reminded when Jonah was running here, if you remember the story of Adam and Eve after, you know, they they. They'd sinned, they'd messed everything up, and it says that they realized their nakedness and, and they went and tried to hide themselves. Remember, they clothed themselves and they were hiding, hiding from God. And, and I remember that great question that God asked. Let me, let me first say, if God ever asks a question, it's not for his own benefit. Somebody who's all-knowing knows everything. He's not asking to find out. But he said three little words to them, and it was for their own reflection. He said, where are you? Let me just let that question float to each and every one of you. He made Adam and Eve kind of ask, like realize, oh my gosh, I'm trying to hide from my creator. I've really messed this up. It made them have self-reflection for just a moment. Someone asked you, where are you or are you... Are you on your way down to Joppa to buy a ticket? Are you on the ship to Tarshish? Where are you? God knows, but it's important to take a minute and reflect. So the first truth is we're called to be a light and a witness to go. The second thing is that God desires mercy more than judgment. I already said that. Uh, application here for Jonah was that, uh, and for us, is that we typically want people to get what they deserve we just typically do you know somebody um uh, uh i said this assyrian empire is the greatest enemy they were the most evil they were cruel they were awful they in jonah's mind they deserve to be destroyed like just let fire and brimstone rain down on nineveh i could care less actually if there's a button i can push to make it happen let me push it that's what, John, that's what Jonah is thinking. He's a man. He's a human. He's a man of God, but he's human, and he can't stand these people. He literally hates them. And we find, if you get to chapter 4, that he, he, he talks about this moment when God asked him to go to Nineveh. 
And, uh, and, and I'll say this, the beautiful thing about this entire story, at the end of it, Jonah's not all uh, sitting pretty. <laughs> I mean, he's, it's sitting like all fairy tales and Hallmark movie ending here because Jonah's a human. But for, so first, we're called to be a light and a witness, uh, but God desires mercy more than judgment. Second, Jonah's looking at these people. He can't stand them. God has looked at them and says, their wickedness has come up before me, and I'm going to have to act, but I would rather have mercy on them. And he's looking at us the same way. He's like, he's looking at us. He's seen our sinful life, and, and people think he hates sinners, and he's just judgmental and angry. And yet he's looking and giving everybody every chance and everybody, every hope to hang on. And if we, if we are breathing, we still have a chance. That's how patient, long-suffering God is. And we are not. Now, I grew up in a time of U.K. basketball when uh, just about, I was about the age that I still cried when Christian Leitner hit that shot in 1992 or whenever it was. You know, I, I cried crocodile tears, ugly cried. And even something as small as that, you know, as I got older and, you know, he made the NBA and did terrible. Man, that was so good for me. I just loved it. It's just human nature that when somebody does something wrong or something bad to you, that you just don't want good for them. But in a changed heart by Christ, God calls us to look at people and not judge them and not say and talk about how bad they've been and everything bad they've done. And not be like, oh, can you believe so-and-so did this and did that? I can't believe it. There's no way they're going to go to heaven. But to say so-and-so is messing up. God, will you just get in the middle of their life and show up and use me if you can to speak to them in some way and point them toward Jesus Christ? But here's what happens. We don't really want to preach to people that don't look like us, that don't fit that mold. And Nineveh didn't want to do it. He didn't want to preach to people that really needed it. We people with different color hair and a bunch of tattoos, and, and and this is kind of the mentality that we can get into is like that those people, right? I mean, that's just the way sometimes we look at it. And say those people, people who have been steeped in addiction, or they've been in these different walks of life. I've been in church my whole life. I got saved when I was in high school. This person is just wrecking their life, and we'd rather see people be judged then find mercy and then when they do find mercy we immediately start to say I'll see right we doubt it even like oh yeah it's just another Jesus you know jail 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 place confection they found Jesus in jail we'll see what sticks or we'll see we'll see if it's real and what do we do to help them make sure it sticks and wrap around it we just disassociate with them I'm, am I off am I out of bounds here Jonah could not imagine a day in which him and the people of Nineveh were sitting around having coffee. God could.
God called us to love our enemy, to pray for our enemy, Jesus himself. The people that we absolutely can't stand. And if you're saying, oh, I love everybody, you're a liar. There are some people you can't stand. There's some people we as a country hate. There are people that hate our country right in the middle of turmoil. I don't want to get into it. I don't know all the answers. I know God's in control, and that's just where I'm going to live in my faith every day. The end of chapter 4, the last verse of this Bible, this is not really a spoiler, the, this book. Uh, it is a little bit of a spoiler, but, but Jonah has gone to Nineveh, and we're going to dive into each of these little segments. He, he ends up going to Nineveh, he ends up sharing God's message, uh, not in a very enthusiastic way, mind you. He really just goes, he's being the, the other brother. He goes from being you know, the prodigal son of just, complete running to okay I'll go and do what you told me to do and that's all I'm going to do and I hope it doesn't work I mean really that was what he decided to do so he goes and he he shares a message he basically goes through Nineveh and he's saying listen in 30 days or however many days I can't remember exactly in a certain amount of time the entire city is going to be destroyed if you don't repent there's really that kind of mindset and he was going around that's what he was saying and guess what they listen. Guess what Jonah does? Gets mad. He sits down and sulks about it. He starts pouting. And he's going to God, I knew you were going to do this. Don't you remember when, when you first asked me to go to Nineveh? I said, you are a gracious and compassionate God. You will have mercy on them. I don't want to be a part of this. That's basically what he said. I did not want to be a part of this. And now I've been a part of it. And look at what has happened. All my friends are going to hate me. And listen to, what, listen to what God says, the last verse of this Bible, this book. He says, Jonah, should I not care about this city? Those people, that city, that neighborhood, that place, that country, that, that race, that whatever we get distracted by. God says, should I not care about this city? We don't have Jonah's answer recorded. I don't know what happens after that, but we're going to dig into this and the story over the next few weeks. The third thing that we see in this story, that Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa. He found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare, and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish. He's trying to flee from the presence of the Lord. Verse 4 is really uh, 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 my, my ending verse for this week and an introduction to next week. Um, but disobedience, this is the third point, disobedience is not without consequence. Disobedience is not without consequence. Jonah's decision to run, first he's already had to pay a fare that he wouldn't have to pay otherwise. So he's, he's lost some money. But then we find in verse 4, but the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea. 
And there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship was about to be broken up. This is where I love this story, how it starts to get real, where we start to see God's sovereignty, where we see God chasing, pursuing the one lost sheep. In spite of his own decision, his own disobedience, God begins to use this storm to get his attention. And I love this because at the beginning, it, you, the first verse or second verse, when it says, go to the great city of Nineveh, he decides not to go there. Uh, and he runs straight into the same Hebrew word for great, a great storm. You don't want to go to the great city, you're going to go into a great storm, is what God had to say. This storm was not for punishment. Just like storms in our life, and we're going to spend all next Sunday morning talking about storms God uses them to grow our faith, these trials, these troubles in this life to grow our faith, call our attention to him. Uh, you know, and, and let me tell you how important paying attention is, just a little example. We were uh, in a hotel this week, um, and I'd gone down to get the luggage cart, and I came back, and we had Harker. Uh, he's 13 months, and my goodness, he's going to be tough. <laughs> Whew. He is, you know, you reach down for a hug and you get punched in the face. That kind of like, what are we going to do here? Um, and so I came back and Beth had put him in the stroller. He was strapped in and he was sitting there and she was trying to pack things up. And, uh, and I was, I, and I'd got the luggage cart back and I opened the hotel room door and I saw him in there and Roz wasn't paying attention to him. Beth really wasn't paying attention to him. I mean, she was making sure he's all right, but you know how it gets. He's strapped in, he's safe. I'm going to get the stuff done I need to get done. And he was just going, ah, 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 ah. He can't say a lot of words, but boy, you know what he's trying to say. And you know when he's mad or he's frustrated. And so I peeked the door open just a little bit, and here's what I did. I made eye contact with him. What do you think happened? And then what did I decide to do? Play a little peekaboo? And so Beth is in there, and all she's hearing, eh, eh, she don't know I'm at the door, right? And all of a sudden, Harker is calm, and he starts smiling. And then he's laughing. I did one thing. I paid attention. Now, there's some things in your life, and there's people, and there's things that are that. Are that they're, they're screaming in your ear, and just paying a little bit of attention will solve a lot of problems. And that's a whole leadership lesson. But God, you're feeling chaos right now. You're feeling in a boat and the waves and the th and you don't know which way. You thought you were headed one way. Now you think all life is out of control. And God is saying, pay me a little attention. He's saying, pick up your Bible. He's saying, pray with me. He's saying, get together with other people that pray. He's saying, get serious about your faith. He's saying, pay me a little attention. Disobedience is not without consequence. He paid the fare. He faced a storm. This is what Jonah did. God said, go to Nineveh. Jonah said, nope, I ain't doing it. Now think about this. And in our own hearts as we get ready to close. You think, well, I don't really know if 
And, and I was kind of stuck in this point. Well, like, I don't know where my Nineveh is. You know, God doesn't speak to us audibly like he did Jonah. I mean, Jonah knew where God wanted him to go. He knew exactly. And God doesn't necessarily speak to us like that anymore. And, you know, I get confused in my own life. Well, where's Nineveh and where's Tarshish? Am I running the wrong direction? How do, and, you know, we can ask all those questions. But then I realize, you know what? God's given us lots of calls, lots of specific things to do. Things like children of God called to be an active member and body of the church. And God is, will tug on our hearts and say, hey, I, I, uh, you, you'll start feeling in your heart like I should really help with the kids ministry I should, I should really volunteer at this I should really serve in this way uh, and then what immediately happens oh wait but I got all this schedule I got all these other commitments and we say what do we say God say, I think you should be, he's, call, he's calling some of us to be more of a spiritual leader, a, a teacher, maybe even a preacher. And I did this for a long time. I was, I mean, I was straight ahead Jonah. Nope. He calls us to, to, to give, to be a cheerful giver. And we say, nope. He calls us not to judge. And we say, nope. He calls us to work in our jobs as unto the Lord. And what do we do? We get frustrated with a coworker, a boss, a situation. We start being lazy on the job. We, we start hoping to get another job. We stop giving our all. We stop working as unto the Lord. And we say, nope. He calls us to train up our children in the way that they should go. And it becomes so much easier to give them iPads. That's a pretty rough statement. But it's kind of true. I got kids. I know how amazing it is to not have to be an active parent. And I choose it a lot. It's easy to say, nope. God calls us to confess our sins. He calls the lost to come unto him. He's speaking to your heart. And we just say, nope. He's calling the Christians to confess your sins. You're carrying baggage around things that, that are just on top of you that if you would just talk to a brother or a sister in the Lord about if you would say I got this in my life you don't know what a weight would come off your shoulders yet because we're afraid of being embarrassed we're afraid of being judged and we're also remember that God called us uh, you know not to be gossipers and the last time we shared something with somebody it ended up you know three other people told me about it so we just say nope The most difficult one for most of us is God called us to live in faith instead of fear. But we let fear get a hold of us. And we say, nope. 
This morning, we're going to say no to the devil. That's how we're starting 2020. We're going to seek God's purpose and our life purpose in our church. When we arise to go, we're going to be talking to God, and we're going to make sure we're going where he's calling us to go. God, as we come to a close and prepare for a song here this morning, God, we just thank you. We thank you for this book of Jonah that shows your patience and your long-suffering. God, the mystery of your mercy, not just for Nineveh, but for Jonah, this rebellious, disobedient servant that you still loved him, you still pursued him just like you are me and so many others in this building this morning. God, can I say I'm sorry for the times I've said no? Can I say I'm sorry that that there's been times that I wish people got what they deserved instead of prayed that they found you in Jesus Christ and found mercy. Can I say thank you for the storms and the troubles and the trials of my life that remind me of my weakness and your strength, that remind me of to put my trust in you and not in my circumstances. Lord, that, that, that remind me that, to pay attention to you and all, all the other distractions that can come around us. God, as we stand as a congregation this morning and we just turn our hearts to you, God, we don't want to be like Jonah. We don't want to say no, but we know that there's times that we have and that even in those times, your mercy and your grace are still there. God, I just pray as hearts and reflect in this time and this song. God, that we'd be hungry for you and thankful for your mercy and your grace. In Jesus' name I pray.